How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. It's the Custard TV Podcast. Hello, Luke here, editor and runner of the site, thecustardtv.com. And joining me uh, is Matt in the northern area. Yo. Gary's not here. People who listened to, um, actually, I don't know because we recorded one that we recorded the the lost the lost podcast, which will probably so about forty years time probably get like um, Charlie Hickson or someone to reenact it on BBC Four. Do you know what will happen? (laughs) I've put it in my back garden, but much like the Blue Peter thing, I reckon it'll be dug up and digs it up or something. Yeah, I reckon it'll come be dug up early. And it will lose all its gravitas and all, all its meaning. Yeah, basically what's happened is since he went to the hospital, he was released. And that makes him sound like a character we'll talk about in another show in a minute. Uh, but they gave him the all clear. They they removed two bones from his uh, his foot. Uh, said you were all right. I didn't right. know you had his medical records. I, yeah, I, I yeah, didn't yeah. realise. I, I get access to it. That's one of the perks of working at the post office for <laughs> medical access to everyone in the UK. But yeah, so you know. then he's now had all of his dry skin sucked out by a vacuum. I think it was a Dyson. Um, I think a and... lot of people eat when they listen to the podcast. That's nice, <laughs> isn't it? Are you having I your bland flakes while we're... <laughs> Well, we're discussing um, this. So yeah, so uh, and now he's got his leg in the cast, and he'll be back soon, hopefully on the next podcast. Fingers crossed. It is coming up soon to the uh, fifth anniversary of certainly of Luke and uh, Gary being together. Isn't that a bit scary? So we're going to try and do a special podcast for the uh, anniversary. Uh, we'd like to, to do. To be honest, like a... it'll just be special if Gary's on it. At yeah, this yeah. Point. Uh, we'd like to do a Q and A. So if you've got any questions for. Uh, any specific member of the podcast or all three of us just general questions about tv or our lives or all whatever Luke's going on about Matt's medical records yeah. if you email your questions to custard tv reviews at gmail.com i uh, will put Let's just repeat link... that again just repeat that again for the people custard, who were rushing for custard tv reviews at gmail.com Okay, uh, our, our listeners aren't elderly, you don't have to be patronising, but there you go. <laughs> and, and we'll put this up on our Twitters as well. Yeah. I mean, you can uh, DM me on Twitter as well if you want. Ooh, look at you Matt, using all the names. At Matt's TV Bytes, because um, it'd be nice to do some questions, uh, just throw them at Luke and Gary. If we get enough questions, then we will do a, a podcast on um, the Q&A. So yeah, uh, custardtvreviews at gmail.com, send them to that address, Matt will oversee them and then 
if we get enough, as he says, we'll we'll do a podcast where either Matt and Gary or uh, myself and Gary, all the three of us, will uh, answer your. It questions. can be about just like TV shows, our opinions on shows. Mm-hmm. If they've ch- anything you want to know about us, yeah. our views on anything going on yeah. in the world. I've never talked about my thoughts on global warming. This might be. How do I feel about gastric bands? You don't what, know. What Luke's favourite chocolate bars are. Top five chocolate bars. From the 90s. From the 90s. Huge <laughs> yeah. bars. Luke. Hey, everybody, here's our staff. And Matt. He's a professional. Talking telly. Try it. Just for one week. Just try the programme for one week. This is the Custard TV Podcast. There is an American show on the agenda today. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Walter Presents His Own Case. Uh, that was a very peculiar way of saying that, but yeah, Case <laughs> is on Walter well, Presents We, will, we will be talking about Walter Presents as well, won't we? As well, yeah. Uh, Amanda Redman and Neil Morrissey joined forces in ITV's yeah. Good Karma yeah. Hospital. The final <laughs> episode of the wonderful Unforgotten. Brand new BBC3 comedy This Country, which you may not even know exists. And... Um, <laughs> Oh, and BBC One has um, a hit on its hands, a massive hit. The overnight ratings were humongous. We'll talk about the more side on BBC One well, on we, Tuesday We're going to start by going west, are we? Gary le- Gary's left his um, his little yeah. microplane. No, I like to think, you know, Family Guy, when Stewie gets in that machine. <laughs> I like to think that's how we do it. Hey, 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 what are you doing in my room? Don't touch my stuff with your dirty walking on the street paws. Uh-oh. What? My time machine has been activated. Time machine? I didn't know you had a time machine. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian. Is my time machine not as good as your time machine? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you, you probably got a way better time machine. Yeah. Come on! Okay, so uh, Fox in the UK is showing um, Legion, which is playing on FX. In mm. the US. I did not realise this was a cable show when I came to watch okay, it. Okay, <laughs> so FX, um, FX is ran by John Landgraf, who uh, Matt and I were in the presence of a few years ago in um, Edinburgh. In Edinburgh, he just because Gary's chatted, not here, you don't have to forget everything. He chatted <laughs> to uh, Jay Hunt, who's the controller of Channel Four, and he coined a phrase that all the US critics I follow on Twitter uh, use on an almost daily basis. It was John Landgraf that coined the phrase peak TV. And peak TV means there is too much television Mm. or too much good television for people to watch. On his network alone, he has things like American Crime Story, uh, the Americans, American Horror Story, (laughs) the Americans. He's cornered the market (laughs) on on that show. But we love the Americans. Fargo. Now, the connection to Fargo is that Noah Hawley, who wrote and directed all episodes of Fargo series one and two has come up with this. It's a spin-off from X-Men and it's called Legion. And it is sort of a, I would say it's almost like I was reading about it a bit of it last night, doing a bit of research Mm. and it's Mm. almost like a side story. They don't call it a spin-off. No, it's more of a side um, story and a companion piece Mm. would be a more uh, accurate depiction 
So um, Noah Hawley's got a third Fargo coming out, which mm-hmm. is actually with with Ewan McGregor. Ewan, they've got an amazing cast. I'm so looking forward to it. The thing is, I always annoy myself because Fargo is turned out to be one of my favourite shows, but because I always come to it late, I never get to write about it. Uh, but it is it is brilliant, and this. I only watched this because all the US critics I like and respect were going, yeah, this is really interesting and really, really fun. And um, an FX thing and, and the Fargo and connection. FX and the Fargo connection because I trust him and I know and, his sort and of style. And the lead actress, apparently. I, I mean, I only watched the first yeah, episode she, of Fargo she was in the se- uh, Rachel Keller plays yeah. the lead actress. She was in the second series of Fargo as one of my favourite characters. It also has a British connection in that Downton Abbey's Dan Stevens plays the lead here. Yeah, I, a completely unrecognisable Dan Stevens, I would That's say. I didn't realise it was it? him. Yeah. Um, can I just There's read also this? also Aubrey was... Plaza, who I love from yeah. Parkston. There's so many good people in this. It, Gene it Smart says, turns it's up. It's a universal parallel to the X-Men films, where the US government is in the early days of being aware that something called mutants exists, but the public mm. is not. Talking to John Landgraft, again, um, just reading round some of the things, apparently uh, when Noah Hawley first wrote this, it was a bit, it was sort of more um, coherent. The plot was sort of more standard. A to B to C to A to D, B to, to C. E to and, yeah. and, what, and what happened was that um, Landgraft said, no, we want something a bit more freeform. I think I've seen like four of the six sort of main X-Men films and one of the Wolverine films. I don't, what is your sort of relationship None. with None. Yeah, and you, you haven't really I know, I know the they are a thing. Any of the Marvel comic book no, movies? No, De- Gary recommended Daredevil, never seen it, never saw Jessica Jones, never seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The lead character, as we said, Dan Stevens, he plays David Haller, who um, we don't know this yet, but the character is the son of... Uh, Charles Xavier, who is the leader of the X-Men. Basically, in this, he th- he's been uh, diagnosed, or he thinks he's paranoid schizophrenic, so mm. he spends a lot of time in mental institutions. One of these institutions meets, what was the actress's name again? Uh, Rachel, Rachel Keller's Keller. Sid Barrett. Now, Sid Barrett is um, Pink Floyd, isn't it? He's, yeah, he... and he did go mad. He did have schizophrenia ah, and, and kill himself. Again, she thinks she's got a disorder, but it turns out we sort of know her power is that mm. she can... If you touch her skin, isn't it? Skin to skin. She inhabits you and yeah. you inhabit her. It's like... kind of the opposite of pushing daisies and yeah. sort of yeah, in I there with the pushing daisies. Yeah. You mentioned Aubrey Plaza. Uh, playing brilliant. Uh, I love Lenny Lenny Busker, who again, yeah. an interesting side note. Noah Hawley originally wrote the character as a middle-aged man, and then he changed the character to you know Aubrey Plaza, what she's late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, but she told him not to change any of the dialogue that he I wrote as the middle-aged man. So I that... loved her just hanging around in a wheelchair for no yeah, reason. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing though. That's it, yeah. it's, they haven't really changed the character, so she's no. almost playing like this old-fashioned, you know, yeah. all of her lines and stuff. And basically, it sort of jumps time periods. A lot of it is set yeah. in um, this sort of uh, swimming pool setting yeah. where David is being questioned by a character who's simply known as the interrogator, who's played mm-hmm. here by um, Hamish Linklater. And we get the impression that there's people questioning him. You get the sort of, he doesn't know he's got powers, but we're aware of his powers sort of thing. Gradually, it sort of builds up to the ending where he escapes this sort of where he's being held and he joins the team of, we assume, our mutants led by, as you said, Gene Smart. But this that, had everything yeah. in it that I shouldn't like. The jumping time periods, mm-hmm. the mystery... 
the superheroes, the this, the, 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 the very so much... over-stylized mm. of it, like all the uh, uniforms that they wear yeah. in psychiatric wards. Mm. Yeah, sort of it like had every uh, everything in it. That in if the, I had a yeah. checklist of things I don't like in a drama, this covered them all, and I absolutely was enthralled. I thought it was. Wow. Brilliant! I because really you did. like Noah Hawley's writing. Because you, I, I mean, you were a massive fan of Fargo. So. I could never get into it really. I, I really struggled with this. If we weren't watching it for the podcast, I think I would have given up on it. Right. I got into it as it went on, as I sort of understood it more. I like certain elements of it, but again, I'm not a big fan of the sort of like freak because a lot of it was sort of jumping in. You didn't know where you were. No. You know, a lot. It didn't grab me. The, the best things about it were. Dan Stevens, who I thought was absolutely brilliant. I didn't know it was him at all. You know, having watched Downton Abbey, I still didn't recognise him at all. Um, and I think he is, he's proved himself to be a very versatile actor. And again, yeah, as you said, Aubrey Plaza, Rachel Keller, all the performances really good. I mean, it was good, but I just, the, the narrative of it, I just, I, I found it very sort of staccato. It sort of got, it, it got more sort of standard as it went on. And you get the impression this was sort of like a build-up. And now it's going to be this sort of little group of uh, misfits on the run from the authorities. I really, really like this. This is about as far out as my comfort zone on TV as I've ever been, probably. But I enjoyed it, and I'm interested now to see whether... Because, as you say, I imagine, although you can never second-guess these sort of things, I imagine it'll be them as a group huddled together trying to escape all these people that are after them and learning more about what each one of them can do. I'll be interested to see whether I'm still as in invested in episode two. Mm. Had this been on an Amazon or a Netflix, I would have watched episode two just to get a feel. Yeah, yeah, I might have done, going. yeah. It is a little bit out of my comfort zone, maybe not as much as you, because I, I do know these characters. I mean, I really like the X-Men uh, Days of the Future Past film, which was... Um, Matthew Vaughan directed that, and Jane Goldman, uh, Mrs. Jonathan Ross, wrote it. That was probably my favourite the X-Men films that I've seen. This had its strengths, but I did struggle with the sort of constant shifting of the narrative. And um... Well, that, to be fair, that's something I always bemoan. Mm. I always go... But it wasn't, the sa- it wasn't in the same vein as a lot of the UK shows where it's like one scene. It was more like it was to do with the character. But there was a reason for it in this. Because yeah. the character never plays what time he was in. It almost happened too much for me. It's very jarring. You can never sort of, not relax into it, but you could just, I like to know where I am occasionally, you know. And uh, spoiler alert, you haven't seen it. that us on his like... journey, though, mm, really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm on the fence. I'm going to stick with it at least to episode two, because I was intrigued. Now, if it goes, I know you could already say it's silly, in, in, in some way. I wouldn't say silly. I mean, this is, I think this is the most grounded you could have, like a a, a show based on a comic. I mean, as, as you said, we haven't watched like any of the Netflix ones, so I don't know. You know, we haven't got like a frame of reference that Gary no. would have. But um, I would certainly say this was a lot more grounded than it could have been. Um, and I did, I, I, I say, I did enjoy it. Now, talking about it, I think there are more elements that I think I enjoy more so I than think I did. You're I just found yourself. That you're yeah, but I just found it. I did find it a real struggle. For example, um, the the sixth episode, No Offense. I watched that yesterday as well, and I was really, really, you know, it got me all the way. I couldn't stop watching it. Whereas this, I sort well, of well, you could when it ended. You were immersed in that. You were yeah. not. 
I mean, I know it's like a six there. episode of a second series, so you've got a lot more, you know, you're a lot more invested in the characters, but I think you had to do a lot of work. I know we, we say, you know, we don't like being spoon-fed, um, but this was something where I just struggled to sort of get into it because there were so many, like, little things that jumped. But the, and... the words a lot of the US critics who've loved it have described yeah. it, we haven't used this phrase yet, but it was trippy. That's the word mm-hmm. they used a lot. It was it, it moved around, it was jerky. I thought it was something a bit different. I thought yeah, it, it just I showed that... I And I loved all the colours of it, and I loved that I... To use uh, what I like, what I think Gary would say, having listened back to some of the things he he either say, "I like that I that I know where it's going," or "I like that <laughs> I don't know where it's going," or "I don't like that I don't know where it's going." I think so, again, this might be things. like the the thing with Peaky Blinders, where you liked it and I didn't. The sort of over stylized nature of some things takes me out of. I can appreciate. I can appreciate that. I can. Mm. I suppose I went in there with with no expectations at all. Yeah, I don't think I did either. There is every chance that I could have got like fifteen, twenty minutes into this and gone, "No, it's too much. I Mm. just can't." And for some reason, it just never happened. I was, I was. Yeah, see, I I got to that point. What what was it that I know you I know that you're always quite loyal to our conversations and you will watch it because yeah that's um, mainly we're what... talking about there must have been a tiny turning point otherwise it would have been a real uh, slog uh, I don't know I don't know what the turning point was but I just I, after a while I got into I still struggle with the narrative structure of it but I think after a while you just sort but of but they get... won't do that you'd presume in mm. the rest or yeah. do you think they will. They might do. I think that's the character, though, isn't it? Because he's sort of like struggling to control his powers, so he never quite knows where. You know, I would. I'm not that keen on watching something like Inception, but whereas you watch Maybe that, for because it's, because Inception, you know, you're going to be done in two hours. I think this because it's a TV show. You know, they, they're stringing out the concept a bit more than they would if it was a movie. Okay. Interesting yeah. point. <laughs> Shall I do a nice little segue? Yes, if you've got one available. Another show where most of the lead characters met each other in a psychiatric ward. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> do you like that mm. one? <laughs> yeah. Unforgotten uh, ended rather splendidly, I would say. We don't use that word enough. To be <laughs> it was almost like a strangers on a train type uh, ending to this one, where we learnt that uh, David Walker was killed by uh, Rosie Caviero's um, Marion. But it was part of an agreement where uh, Marion, Colin, and, and Sarah would kill each other's abusers. We learnt that I, they were all abused. I, yeah, I feel on. like that's been done before somewhere. As I say, Strangers on a Train, which was a Hitchcock film, popularised this where two men meet on a train and agree to kill off people in yeah. their life, you know, the other person that they've just met, so yeah. neither of them gets suspected of it. And the reason Nicola Walker's character came to this conclusion was very clever because she realised or she, or she proposed that Sarah's alibi for the murder of David Walker was too neat and tidy and cleaned up and perfect. And then she started to put the pieces together. Well, it was, she... it was at the end of the last episode, wasn't it, that they said none of this quite fits together. 
I've got a theory, and if I'm right, there are going to be more bodies. And basically, we learned that they were all, all three of these characters were all abused. Sarah mm. was the one who was abused by um, David Walker. Rosie Caviero's character, Marion, was abused by her father, hence, hence her sort of anger towards her, her mother and her sister. Her mother, played by Wendy Craig, knew about it but sort of ignored it um didn't believe her colin was abused by the leader of like a sort of boys brigade. yeah boys brigade yeah it was, and, it was sort of yeah i can't remember the the phrase they used but yeah when he was um 11 i think wasn't he oh no nine nine he nine. was it's the sort of thing where you where if you watch this again and i said this to chris lang the, uh, last night on twitter we were talking and um the certain things that even are you know, overly trained TV brains still don't pick up on, or mine didn't. So the fact that these three people had gone into professions to help yeah. save other people. We had Sarah the teacher, we had um, Colin the barrister, stroke lawyer, we had uh, Marion the nurse. We had Marion the nurse, Colin also saving a young girl from an abusive family and adopting her and and things like that. But the problem is, I think it's natural in any crime drama to try and to not spend the time suspecting people Mm. and look at it objectively. Had we had the option to watch Unforgotten Series 2 again, yes, we'd know everything, but we might view the actions of each of these characters differently. We said that with The Missing as well, didn't we? Unlike something like uh, Line of Duty, I mean, we got it a bit with the Jonas Armstrong character, but there was a lot going into the, the depth of what happened and the detail. Mm. I mean, Mark Bond was absolutely excellent in this, talking about you know his experiences, you know, being abused and how he still hasn't gotten over it. What was so wonderful about it, we've praised and forgotten yeah. for this before, was just its quiet nature. It never got too preachy. I mean, there was a no. the scene where Nicola Walker goes into... The as I say, the sort of boys' brigade club, and saying like, you know, they said it wouldn't happen here. It said it wouldn't happen here, and that's the, the, probably the most preachy it got. Uh, there was also a brilliant resolution of um, the Peter Egan story, who the dad, you know, f- being confronted by his wife's lover and getting the letter that she wrote the lover saying that it made her realise that she should be with her family. I remember saying to you mm. on Skype that it felt like after episode five. Chris Lang and co. had a lot to cover. Yeah. There, there was only 47, 48 minutes left yeah, of the you whole said thing. Because I said to you, I'd, I'd watched the episode before it aired, and you said yeah. it feels like they've got a lot to cover. But I think what they did so effortlessly was they gave everybody a conclusion. Even yes. I loved the, the final moments with um, David Walker's son. He nearly... Yeah. I, which I would have been he heartbreaking. With little, what's the face from uh, Call the Midwife? Someone we haven't praised um, is Lorraine Ashbourne. I, I like the way short of her character sort of held herself and stuff. She admitted, yes, I didn't know my husband was sleeping with a young girl. He said she was 16. He said it was consensual. She used the phrase about it being a different time, and I like that. You could tell through the writing, as he said to you when you had that interview, that it was the story he wanted to tell for first time round about the historic sex abuses and about was, was Lorraine was it Lorraine's character who said you know rock stars would have underage yes, girlfriends and yes, we'd all think yeah, it yeah. was endearing yeah. and sort yeah. of you know yeah like so that. she was saying about it being a different time there was two things well as you said like about these characters all getting their own moments you've got a brief scene with each character with their partner and you didn't you sort of had to do more of the groundwork yourself if you know what I mean 
You knew that Sara would be all right with the Adil Akhtar. You weren't sure what was going to happen with Marion. Like she, she admitted to her husband. I, that... I maybe I read it wrong, but I got yeah. the impression that because each one of them had told their story to the mm. people in their lives that mattered, that they had then some sort of closure. I really liked as well the scene with the social worker, which I felt yeah. was really, you know, they admitted to the social worker what happened with, you know, the bribery and everything. And she was getting a bit narked herself. But, you, you know, that felt real to me. And that was that was a scene which I think a lot of dramas would have struggled with. But I think they did that brilliantly. My favourite bit was, was a bit that I don't think I've seen in any other crime drama was the final 10 minutes was... Sonny and Cassie yeah. in the cafe yes, that discussing brilliant. where they went from here. And so they met up and they sort of decided between themselves not to go any further. We had a scene at the beginning uh, where uh, sort of Cassie's boss said, we can't be wasting money on this if it's going nowhere. So she had a bit of an out, but there was a great sort of... Mor- it messes with people's moral compass a little bit. These people have done wrong, they've taken lives... But have they been punished enough? Mm. And that's what it was about. And Chris told me that it was the uh, last 10 minutes was his favourite bit of television he's ever made. And I can completely understand it because it was it was understated. It was real. You believed every second of it. You believed these characters would think this way. It wasn't out the blue. And actually you didn't want, or at least I didn't want to see them all go off to prison. You no, know, it was, no. It was really well done. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. So next up, we journey to uh, BBC One, as Luke said, for a big sort of ratings winner this week. Uh, which Massive. Is the, which is the uh, the Moorside, uh, a uh, two-part drama based, but not focusing on the... Um, kidnapping or faux kidnapping of uh, Shannon Matthews. I tell you what, I looked at some pictures of the case and of the people and they they got this incredibly spot. I can't believe how now, well they've done. Sheridan Smith is in the, le- the lead role, sort of, here, um, playing yeah. Julie Bushby, who's sort of a very sort of proud member of the Moor Julie side. is the focus. Yeah, the focus. She is, the Moor side is... is uh, the estate where all these characters live, we should say. Shannon Matthews is reported missing by uh, her mother Karen, um, and the Julie sort of gets the community to rally round, conducting sort of searches and marches and things like that to show the sort of support that they what, com- what the community is capable of when they pull together yeah, is yeah. what. Now, is, I mean, we know that Karen actually sort of orchestrated the kidnapping to sort of cash in on the fame. Was that? Well, and it was sort of Maddie McCann yeah. was still going around, and she liked. You could tell there was an episode. Was there an episode of Shameless? Was that what? The episode of Shameless in Shameless. series two of Shameless, yeah. or so, no, series one of Shameless, turned out to be the inspiration. Where in Shameless, Rebecca Ryan's character Debbie takes a, a young child from a party and hides them within the house. She takes him, she realises it's wrong, 
but then can't get him back without people, you know, yeah. suspecting her. So she hides him within the Gallagher house, and then the episode is really well done, and it's the Gallaghers trying to get them back. Meanwhile, the estate is going mad trying to find this young boy. Yeah. So there's there's parallels there. Parallels now, there. Gemma Whelan, as you were alluding to yeah. before, I did not realise, um, and I... I watched Game of Thrones, as you know, as does Gary. Yes, um, yeah. She plays, I can't remember her first name, but she's Theon Greyjoy's sister, um, who is played by is Alfie Allen. Is it No. <laughs> it's it's Una or something, not Una, but oh, something like that. Oh, it's lady's name anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in that, she's very sort of forthright and like, you know, um, what's, what's a good way to describe her? Sort of like ballsy. She's very ballsy yeah. and... and um, in this, she was sort of very reserved, not reserved, but what's a good way to put it? Like, almost a I bit. I don't know how to describe it. Um, She's sort of spaced subdued. out. She's yes, subdued, yeah. spaced out. And the other sort mm. of lead character in this is uh, Natalie, who is, is she related to Karen somehow? Or No, they're, ju- they're next just door next door neighbour. I next loved neighbor. how they just played, all played walked by, into one um, Euros Holmes. Sean Brooke. Sean Brooke. I wanted to ask two things, yeah. because there's two things we'd mentioned before on this very podcast, folks. Okay. A, the fact that it was that it was a true story and you knew where it was going and you knew what it was about, did that distract? I think help? a little bit. I think they struggled to find enough material to fill a drama. There was a lot of the, you know, a lot of the similar things of all these things that Julie was organising. My other question to mm-hmm. you specifically, particularly as Hello. you're the only one here... <laughs> Is is you criticised Apple Tree Yard, which is a mm. recent BBC One drama, for portraying a world that you felt you didn't belong in, mm. and it was all upper class, and you didn't yeah. feel like you fitted. This was the complete opposite. Were you more mm. at home here than you were there? These were more likable characters, I think. Especially, I mean, Sheridan Smith is such a good actress; it's hard not to like her in anything. And mm. you know, I believed in their world partly because it was a true story. You know, I couldn't yeah. buy into the world of Apple Tree Yard. It felt too fictionalised for me. Whereas this, mm. you know, because you knew it was a true story, there was mm. a sense of realism to it. So you could buy into the world. And because generally what, you know, Julie and, and the community were doing was a good thing, it was hard yeah. not to like them and hard not hard to sympathise with them. But going back to my initial question, somebody came... I, I really enjoyed this. I, we haven't really mm. talked about whether you liked it or not. I really enjoyed it. I found it I don't think I humorous. liked it as much as a lot of people did. I mean, I didn't struggle with it like I struggled with Legion. Will, will you watch the second... Watch. Will you watch yeah, the yeah, second definitely. Half? definitely. Yeah. I found this remarkably funny as well i mm. i loved i loved the cow i mean you scene. could see you could see you could see sally wainwright writing this couldn't yes, you, you yes yeah. like... i loved the cow scene and i think it was funnier because i knew it was true and so you know if somebody had done an, tried, put a scene in where somebody overdoses on cow ordinarily i wouldn't have laughed mm. but i think because because i knew it was real also and, the and my favorite yeah, bit was the brown-eyed girl thing from van yeah. morrison it was just when so she started out of the blue. dancing to the yeah. everyone else wasn't a particularly recognizable face you know like Gemma mm. with sean brooke didn't look like characters you previously no, seen no. a lot of the other ones a lot of the, you know like her partner was it craig just yeah. seemed like a he normal was bloke. superb he was that. just like mm. like we said i mean something i said about scott and bailey before Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. 
That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No but they're supporting actors in that. You could just believe as they ground it. They because yeah, they're just and, so and, ordinary. And in this, they they feel like people who live on those estates. I think again, that was you you bought into the world because of the performances because you didn't particularly know these actors. You compared it to Apple Tree Yard. You know Emily Watson, you know Mark Bonner, you know Ben oh, no. Zaplin. You know they I were ju- I just thought I'd bring up Apple yeah, Tree no, Yard. Yeah, no, I know. It's two it's very different comparison. worlds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's two different worlds and it's a good comparison because this you felt a lot more immersive and you felt it a lot more realistic. So yeah, I did enjoy I did enjoy it. It was a very easy watch. I mean, I read about Julie Busby was interviewed about it and she said you know, she wasn't that bothered either way. She'd probably tune in, to be honest. Karen would probably like all the attention. I loved all the bits where that they alluded to Madeleine McCann. Um, I liked, you know, her taking the, the um, was it the teddy bear into the press conference? Because Madeleine McCann's mum always had a cat that Maddie liked. And there was a bit where she's showing it off to the cameras. So, uh, yeah, if you want to catch up with this, it's on the iPlayer now. And the next episode, the final of the of the two will be on BBC con- One on Valentine's The concluding night. chapter, as they would yeah. call it. But I, I'm invested. I think actually it's going to be more interesting the second half to see mm. how the, to see the community back, to, backlash. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to Sunday night on ITV, we had a new uh, six-part, the start of a new six-part uh, series taking place in India. It was the Good Karma Hospital, uh, starred... Amanda, I'm doing a Gary now. Amanda Redman as Dr. Lindsay Fonseca, who runs oh, this. Lydia, all... you are Lydia, doing a Gary. Lydia, I saw, and it's in front of me as well. God's sake! It's sort of a ramshackle hospital. The path, sort of, we follow in this first episode is of Dr. Ruby Walker, who's sort of she's like a junior doctor, isn't she? One of the things is that the medicine that they practice in India is a lot more sort of freewheeling than all the sort of admin that you have to go through uh, in the UK. Dr. Ruby, by the way, is played by Amrita Akaria, who I'm sure Gary will remember from Game of Thrones, but I can't remember. She played one of the Dothraki, Luke, which I'm sure you knew. Oh, really? One of the Doths? The Dothraki alongside um, Khal Drogo. And she goes... She is almost like another language. I have no idea what <laughs> Dothraki is another language. You should look it up. She applies for a job in India, thinks it's a uh, like a sort of well-to-do clinic, but finds she's she's at the Good Karma Hospital... And she's got to do a year there before she sort of can apply to go to this other nicer hospital. Yeah. Is that sort of the... And the other doctors there, you've got the nice sort of father figure. Um, is that Dr. Nea? I'm just looking at yes. this. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the sort of harsh, sort of young, brash Dr. Varma. The big plots, I suppose, were the sort of the young sort of drug dealing kids, one of whom dies. The sort of culture shock with the the, the woman who gives birth to another daughter... And Lydia Fonseca promises him a son because she knows if he's not promised a son, he would abort the baby. The baby turns out to be a, a, a girl. The girl they they then discover has a heart condition. 
they initially say, well, you know, if she's going to die anyway, let her die. And so it's an interesting take on what's acceptable somewhere else and what, yeah. you know... That's you probably know. what I would like more of, and I think they did that a bit. It's one of them rare things that I went to a screening of and I enjoyed it. What you get by going to a screening that you don't get if I'd have watched it, you know, like you did on a previous site mm. or on ITV, is that Dan Sefton, the writer, um, is a still a working doctor with okay. the, the NHS. He still does weekends for the <laughs> NHS. And this is based on his time when he first was a junior doctor and they sent him to South Africa. Okay. He set it, though, in, in India and uh, the cast film for three months in Sri Lanka. It's a thing where if you'd seen this on previews, you may not have enjoyed it as mm, much. No, I know what you mean. That. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you get the backstory. I can see all the merits in this. I can see why ITV like it. I can see why an audience would like it. And I enjoyed the first episode. However, sadly, I think it's not something that I would watch no. on a weekly basis. It's for the sort of more mature people, I think, isn't mm. it? I mean, I wonder if it was commissioned after the success of The Dorals, which is another show yeah. set abroad. Not as light as The Dorals. It's no. got its darker moments, but it's still quite playful. One thing we didn't mention was old uh, Neil Morrissey's bobbing round in here. Is sort of that a, was my least favourite aspect con bar owner who's sort of like the comic mm. relief. He, he and uh, Amanda Redman's character... Um, have sort of got a sort of friends with benefits or enemies with benefits. Which, which, which really, <laughs> didn't um, really do, yeah. you know, if if I was being overly critical and it's it's a bit of light entertainment, I don't think you should be, but that really didn't gel for me at all. No. I didn't believe that this doctor who's well-respected... And she's well very of... sort of forthright and he's mm. sort of maybe like an opposites attract type thing. So I really liked her in this. I, I, mm. I don't always like her. I think she's a bit too scenery chewing sometimes but i think she suited this quite well sort of forceful but with sort of like a motherly side to her you know she took uh, ruby under her, uh, her wing it's not for two youngish men in their early 30s but i do think we're getting that... we're getting past young youngish i like the ish i, c- I can still do with the ish <laughs> i think amrita ankara was a very good was a believable lead i thought she was an easy person yeah. to like and to take on this journey and i was glad that the whole thing wasn't just about her being wide-eyed. And I'm glad as well that you said that the Phyllis Logan and Philip Jackson thing is carrying on because it felt like, you know, on... Well, you don't watch it, but on Death in Paradise, you sort of get the weekly plots because it's no, a weekly No, it is a plot where and she it's... goes back over there. Uh, Dr. Varma treats her uh, mm. because she, she wants to die there because it's nicer and okay. it gives her a nicer yeah. part. Of... Uh, on the whole, it was an enjoyable sort of like, you know, it's it's Sunday night escapism at the end of the mm. day. You put it up there with the Durrells, with, I suppose, going back a few years, Wild at Heart did something yeah. similar. So it is a staple Sunday night thing, you know. It's, it's completely it's almost, inoffensive. Yeah. But the culture stuff was the most interesting stuff about it. Mm. The, the thing and about I hope the, the, the that boy, they will, the boy. Will, yeah, they will pick up on that more. I can't say. I do know for a fact that the Phyllis Logan death story or cancer story will be a big feature. And there were some aspects of it I really liked, but it's just not. It's not our sort of basis. thing. No, we like to talk about foreign drama every now and then, and it's been a bit yeah. light on the ground. BBC Four really haven't had anything on late this year. They've been sort of I'm showing to the young. One yeah, they're showing done. young Montalbanos at the moment. I don't know if they're yeah. repeats or not. How old is young Montalbano? <laughs> I can't think he's that young. 
we decided to go online and have a look at one of the Walter Presents ones. You'll remember that uh, the very first one was uh, Deutschland 83. If I had had to search that out online, mm. I probably wouldn't have watched it all because I find the model a bit... I can't concentrate on foreign dramas at my computer when I can also check my... I keep forgetting that I have to read it and I check my emails and I think, oh, I don't know what they're saying. I'll go back um, and to it. I mean, you don't obviously struggle with that because you watch a lot on, yeah, on yeah, the computer Yeah, yeah, no, screen. not really. Because this is the first Walt Presents that I remember where Walter does an introduction to it. To an extent, it is a bit plot spoilery, really. You it's know, he goes, it, yeah. and he goes through a lot of stuff that doesn't even happen in episode one. Like he joins the dots between characters. And I think he's trying to tell you who some of the characters are before you get into it. But it's like you want to discover that for yourself, don't you? The plot, as Walter explained it to us, is found dead. Lara. Lara found oh. hanged. The uh, investigation is carried out by um, Gabriella. It was a bit distracting because she did look a lot like uh, Scottish comedian Susan Kalman. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that's the end of the po- That's the only reason I wanted to discuss this. I think if we were watching this in English, we get the vibe that she is a bit like Nicola Walker in Unforgotten. We should say as well, this is Icelandic. I don't know who mentioned that at the top. We didn't. We were too busy talking about <laughs> Blooming Walter. She's not like a Sarah Lund or a Saga Norrin who've got their sort of deep sort of issue. She is first and foremost a, a detective. She's got a partner. They have like a, a, a quite a friendly relationship, I suppose, as well, don't they? Like they go for a drink. Actually, that was one of my favourite scenes where they yes. went for a drink together yeah. and it was like, are you a lesbian? My family go on marches, and she just doesn't. Can, have I, can I in, can I interrupt yeah, yeah. you before you get into this? Yeah. I've just done some research on the old on the old Wikipedia. It would appear that what we've watched is the first episode of the third series of Case. Wow! Uh, the first two, <laughs> yeah, I know. The first two series were a different case, and they were only involved the lawyer character. Um, okay. Susan Cowman wasn't in the first two series. So the and, which because we've got two. Look, we've got the is this the investigator who spends yeah, most of the time yeah. sleeping? Apparently, um, it says Ritter is about is about an attorney who joins a law firm owned by business partners. Together, they solve cases which bring them all too close to the cases and subject of... This is maybe why he had to explain it, because we're starting at season Yeah, we're starting from three. three. The case in in question, as I said before, there's a ballet dancer. She's, what, 15, 16? The character that Luke was uh, talking about, what was his name? The lawyer? Loogie? We don't really know he's a lawyer. He sort of comes across as more of a private investigator, sort of computer. There's a Mm. lot of naked computer hacking going on. I didn't understand. I genuinely (laughs) didn't understand. I genuinely didn't understand it all. He was being employed by a lawyer. He and his um, multicolour-haired girlfriend were sort of... I didn't... They were sort of like working outside the law to sort of help this other lawyer who looked like he was sort of like a... Pro bono lawyer, you know, not like in a fancy law firm. He was helping, like, people who didn't have a lot of money um, with their cases. He also, uh, you get the impression, he worked with or was married to, had a relationship with the other lawyer who was involved in this. Who And her name is... Uh, let's call her Christine. I don't know what her name. I genuinely don't know any uh, of her names. Anyway, she she um she. I know her. Be- I know the girl's best friend was called Elva Dog, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> and I also know that the guy who threatened the girl in the supermarket. I know his name was Thor. So this other lawyer who sh- they've got links together. 
she organised the adoption of Laura to this sort of well-to-do couple from uh, her birth parents who had, as we learned, problems with alcohol and drugs. And they feel like that the child services screwed them over and they weren't allowed the visitations that they were promised. And so they're now going to this lawyer who's using the other lawyer who's now an investigator. See, I'm more confused now (laughs) than I was. I was quite confused watching it. He uses the investigator to basically try and prove that there was sort of abuse going on. I thought, and God knows if anyone still listens to the podcast (laughs) at this point, one of my favourite things ordinarily about these foreign dramas, and I think we're learning to do it, you see it, you saw it within things we love like The Missing recently, but one of my favourite things is how you're never really sure who's connected and they all... But on this, I just found it too much. I was genuinely confused. I didn't know I, I what was going biggest, on. And even you explaining it, yeah, I don't... The, biggest the bits I thought I understood, I didn't. Link you can draw to the, the as you say, the, the naked investigator hacker man, I suppose, is he's a bit like um, Jason Isaacs in Case Histories. That's the nearest... Well, that's I've... where they got their title from, presumably. <laughs> the scene you were alluding to in the supermarket, yeah. the guy Thor, you don't see this every day in Lidl. He basically... I'm not in Lidl every day, though, to grabbed, be fair. Um, the the girl who we found out at the end of the episode was uh, Lara's biological sister. He grabbed her um, in the um, in a not a very nice area, and I'm not talking in the veg area. The veg area. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I couldn't tell what was going on. I just knew yeah. she was in a lot of pain. But, I, I found him incredibly creepy, yeah. and then incredibly weasley. I got him weasley. confused with the other law- the lawyer who's like you know the. I just. The lawyer who was working with her parents, I got. Were you were you invested in this at all? Because I really. Bit, I mean, I, I liked say... I liked Gabriella. I thought she was a good sort of lead mm. investigator. Again, like we've said about Nicola Walker in Unforgotten, someone who hasn't got as as far as we know hasn't got any skeletons mm. in the closet. And obviously, because you've mentioned now that this is the first series that she's in, there's obviously mm. an introduction to her character. And as mm. I said, that scene in the pub, I think was the best thing about it for me. I mm. love that, like, awkward, are you a lesbian? You know, yeah. we've, we've done the pride marches. It's all right if you are, sort of thing. Apart from that scene in the supermarket, nothing that sort of uh, grabbed people. <laughs> I'd say a... I've used this expression before, and mm. some shows... Uh, some shows I watch and I am immersed in, mm-hmm. and some shows I feel like I'm watching literally behind a screen. Yeah, that's what this was. I was. I think, I think though, for me maybe, to enjoy the crime yeah. drama, I either have to be intrigued enough by the mystery, or like the people investigating it, or like the people that it's affecting. And I didn't mm. really get but, any of that. None uh, of it felt genuine. I no. suppose apart from the scene that you're you mm. alluded to in the pub, which yeah. was possibly the most relaxed. Yeah. Down to earth scene, and also I think you said it. I don't know whether we just said it mm. uh, in a conversation or whether it was part of a podcast. But we're kind of over, we're sort of overexposed to all this. Yeah, foreign, foreign drama. drama. I don't know if I would have binge watched Trapped, for example. I think the two a week. No, no, worked well. well two a week is kind of been binge watching. Yeah, I mean you've got an hour. Anyway, you have like an hour and a half, don't you? Which is a nice yeah. uh, chunk of drama. Of course, if you're seeing so many. Then it's like you know someone in Norway getting the missing and think and and say Happy Valley and thinking that's what UK drama is. And then, uh, safe house, safe house or Vera. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades. 
a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which is my answer for everything where bad <laughs> drama is concerned. But do you know what I mean? They, yeah, no. Know, that, not, not everything yeah. can be a hit. What you're saying is that not all of our telly is good, but you've got, like, the whole, basically the whole world to choose from. Mm. And I mean, we well, haven't had anything so, from Iran yet, so we're waiting. So, in, in, uh, it started with Daughters on 93. That was it from Germany. Mm. Then Spin, which I didn't see from France. Mm. Heartless from Denmark. Was it- Blue Eyes from Sweden. Pure Evil from Argentina. Kabul Kitchen from France. Ten from Switzerland. Uh, another one from Germany, another uh, one from Chile, Brazil, Brazil, Mexico, Brazil. So yeah, we've covered Water Presents, uh, it, Beauty and the Baker was from Israel. Mm. It's mainly it's Europe London. and South America, really. Yeah. And it's, I suppose like Israeli drama is quite a big thing, because obviously, you know, Homeland was based on an Israeli drama, as, and the A-word, I think, as well. The original Homeland, Prisoners of War, which you can see on Amazon Prime if mm. you want, uh, did that have a Dana Brody character? Oh God! I wonder. That's what would stop me checking it out. The Prisoner of War was. <laughs> this is an awesome name. Though. I love the, the names of these shows. Nimrod Klein was the name. Ooh, you Nimrod! <laughs> and he did have a daughter. And do you know what his his daughter's name was? Ninny Klein. Dana. You were joking. No. Dana Klein. Yeah. And they Nimrod's just... rebellious daughter, Dana. Well, this was all going to get cut from the podcast, but that is such an interesting fact. It's staying in. And uh, Chris uh, was Hatzav. Oh, they should have kept <laughs> that in. I don't know if there's a like a Carrie character in this, or is she was a creation of... She sounds like an American creation, doesn't she? This manic, depressive FBI agent who falls... That's not in the Israeli version, I would... Well, we've got um, Haim Cohen, an IDF psychologist, who leads the investigation of Nimrod and Yuri, convinced that they are hiding something. I kind of want to watch that a little bit, just to see how annoying Dana (laughs) Dana Klein Klein is. (laughs) So we should mention that uh, Case is on um, Water Presents. Uh, You can watch the whole series now, right now. Well, finish the lead to us first and then watch it, if you want. I have seen, though, I was just looking on the press web, the BBC press website before we started, and the the BBC have got a new uh, Canadian drama on the way. About time. (laughs) God. So moving on to another show that all the episodes will eventually be online. As Luke mentioned at the start, a BBC Three sitcom mockumentary, uh, This Country, uh, mm-hmm. starring and written by Charlie and Daisy May Cooper, brother and sister, play Curtan and Carrie Muckrow. Well, no, it's Curtain. It's Curtain. Curtain. Like, like curtains in your house. Yeah. And because okay, he's Curtain. got that Gareth, 
Gareth from the office haircut. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Cooper, he does look a lot like Mackenzie Crook when he was in the office. He's an awful look. It, it could almost be his twin. Basically, this is a mockumentary that sort of follows them around in their day-to-day. They're both sort of, out. would you say, they're outcasts in the village? Yes, both although you can't really be an outcast. I mean, there's more yeah. people in that village that are probably more yeah. outcast-worthy. I mean, there's not, not a lot of plot to it. The first episode no. follow, followed, like, um, at the Scarecrow Festival where Curtin yeah. had... He was determined to win it that year. Um, <laughs> things went against him without trying to ruin some of the jokes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The Probably my favourite bit of the first episode was uh, Gary getting her house plumbed. They plumbed the sofa, they plumbed the living room, plumbed the windows. I can't believe it. All over this, plumbing on here, plumbing on that. Plumb the sofa, look. There's nothing left that hasn't been plumbed. Oh, my gosh. I knew this would happen. Can you see what it's like to be me now? I've had a target on my back since the day I was born. The second episode, which I preferred, I wonder why you yeah, got me to watch it. That's why I wanted you to see it. Yeah, where he, um, Curtin was trying to track down an old class. Mate, the only sort of he remembers Robert Robinson. Robert Robinson. Robinson yeah. Kerry was um, hesitant about getting a tattoo from uh, what was her name? Debbie, was it? <laughs> Big Debbie. Or Linda or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think you liked it maybe because it reminded you of the early days of the office, the way they filmed yeah. it, where obviously yeah. uh, Charlie Cooper's looking like Mackenzie Crook. Yeah. The sort of yeah. camera interviews were very similar. Um, I also like that I think, I don't know much, I know nothing about them, mm. not even their names as it turns out, but I think that, um, that helps. They, mu- they must be of our generation because yeah. there were a lot of references I have to, to things say, our generation. I'm sure I saw an article somewhere, and it may have been on Digital Spy or another site, like a BuzzFeed, about what yeah. happened to the cast of The Queen's Nose. <laughs> And the fuse bar thing, yeah. which is a cabbage that he, this was in the he, second he was obsessed episode. with it. They were talking about how <laughs> Curtin was obsessed with tracking down this classmate and Carrie was saying, like, he was before he was, he was uh, obsessed with finding out what happened to all the members of the cast of the Queen's Nose. Turns out a lot of them are still acting. And before that, whatever happened to the fuse bar. <laughs> and they just said, sales weren't that great. I think a lot even... of the comedy comes from delivery of some of these lines, like the yeah. plumbing and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, as as you said, and we mentioned with the Moore side, it helps that you don't know these actors I had, very much. I've never, but I feel like, <laughs> this is why I think BBC Three is a massive failure, because we're, we're lucky that we can preview things mm. before we see them. So Matt quite rightly said he saw this come up on the preview side, I and thought it was like him, I had no idea what it was. No idea mm. what it was. BBC Three have given it no promotion no. anywhere I, I like as well the fact that everything in there, as you said like the fuse bar and stuff like that everything's a bit old fashioned and Kerry, there's no Le- oh, no Edmonds yeah yeah Noel's house party you, well they were saying like you know you've got to eye on because you're reminiscing about Noel's house party you're missing out on Alan Carr chatting man um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, the uh, first. No, no. What I was going, of... what I was going yeah, to on. say was the fact that Carrie's always wearing a four four two football magazine yeah. Uh, shirt yeah. that yeah. I think is a, a publication that no longer exists. The first joke that I thought, yes, I'm going to like this, was one about Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. Yeah. And... Over there, we saw Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen once, and once in the shop, 
and once at Birdie Hill riding this bike, didn't we? And in the co-op. Yeah. Because I was walking in the co-op and he was coming out and I said, after you. And he said, no, after you. He's so humble. So humble. And I asked him, I said to him, when do we get to see you back on our screens? Because it's such a, it's a crying shame. We're just not... I don't get to see you as often. And he just shrugged. He just shrugged like that. Such a shame. One thing I would say, and it now will make me sound a bit old and fuddy-duddy like you did before, yeah. was uh, that I just felt there was a little bit too much swearing. They used the F yeah. a little bit too much for me. I don't yeah, think it, didn't need I don't it. Think it, it didn't needed need it. it because the jokes were that funny. It worked in the first episode when you had the uh, vicar telling him not to keep swearing and stuff like that, but it worked yeah. less well, in the, in, I thought, in the second episode where there was just a lot of swearing without any context to it, really. Well, I've known Kerry and Curtin on and off for um, 12 years now. Um, I think they're, they're great kids, really. I do think they sometimes resort to a lot of effing and jeffing, and, and um, that's something we've been working on actively a lot, especially the last couple of years. Um, and I feel like they've made great strides forward. I mean, last week, I, I think... I don't think they used the F word once. We had the C word a couple of times, but, I mean, that really is an improvement on what had gone before. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a shame. It didn't distract from it, but no. it means that I can't share this with sort of older people that might <laughs> enjoy it. No, but just no, I, I know what you mean, yeah. I loved all the bits, like, when they're chatting to the vicar and they're like, he loves Midsummer Murders, he never misses... An episode of Midsummer Murders, and uh, there's so much good references uh, that made me laugh so much. I remember, I'm, I'm sounding like my grandma now because she always went on about how much she liked Billy Connolly, but she couldn't stand him always swearing in his stand-up sets. I just don't think it was necessary. It didn't add anything. We knew who these people were. I sp- yeah, I suppose we're all. F- I suppose we're all funny daddies. I spoke about Shameless earlier, which was a show I loved that was full of language yeah. uh, like that so really maybe it shouldn't bother me but it still does and but especially like, if it's no, not no offence is full of language but you don't tend to notice it it doesn't stick out much does it it doesn't I don't no, think I sp- if, if it works I with suppose it, the... in comedy yeah. I suppose we're more aware of it because comedy is there to make you laugh and so if you're mm. not laugh and often people will say or oh, swearing makes a joke funnier and I've never believed that I've I never been it did I've never I would say, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it, and the second episode sort of wheeled me in a little bit more to it. And it is, again, it's an easy watch. It's only 24 it's, it's, minutes. It's like 24, 23 yeah. minutes, yeah. They're going to show this on BBC One, I believe, at like 5 to midnight on a Saturday, so Ugh. make sure you watch yeah, it. Yeah, because they, they, they said, oh, we, we, when BBC Three went online, when they announced the proposal, it's like, all the big news shows, they're all going to get a debut on, on BBC One or BBC Two. We're going to show them somewhere. Yeah, at a time when no one's watching flipping yeah. TV. Please, you know, BBC yeah. Three aren't helping them. We, like to, we do like to promote things on this show that... that More than the miss. press office do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, BBC Three online now. The first episode, I believe they're going up every Wednesday. God knows what time. So just It is actually on the front page of the iPlayer right now. So what? Hang on, BBC Three dot. Okay. If you go BBC... no, if you just go on the iPlayer. Okay, you'll find it there. You'll find yeah, it on the, the at the moment. Us recording this on Friday lunchtime. This country uh, is on 
there, whether it will stay on there, or we have to search the Would you believe, I just went to bbc.co.uk forward slash bbc3, I don't know, I don't know where it is here. Mm. If you go on the iPlayer and go to the BBC3 thing there, there's more, it's more of a chance of finding it than on their own website, I mean. Bizarre, they don't have a clue what they're doing. It's called This Country, like Matt says, it's about 22, 24 minutes in length, it's a very simple premise. I definitely will watch the others. The thing is, because it's not, I enjoy it when I watch it, but because it's not front of mind necessarily, it's that active, I've got to find it, think okay. about it, find it, and watch it. Um, but it's got that sort of detectorist feel to yeah. it where detectorist early, if you like the early things of The Office, even though we say about them swearing and being outcast, they were two likable characters and likable actors, mm. and obviously. Because they've written the show as well, they care about the characters, you know. It's, mm. it's, so yeah, definitely um, recommend this country pick of the week. Well, I'll tell you what I will pick as a pick of the week because I've seen some of this already. Um, is the uh, Real Marigold Hotel, which is on uh, Wednesday at nine pm on BBC One. Uh, this is the second series of the documentary. I mean, the first series you had like Miriam Margulies, Wayne Sleep. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, Bobby George, people like that. They all went to India. This, is, again, is the same premise with new celebrities, uh, including uh, Lionel Blair, Bill Oddie, and uh, mm. the reanimated corpse of Paul Nicholas, who we last saw on EastEnders. Um, also, because Gary's not here, I'm going to do his pick of the week for him. At the same time on Wednesday on uh, Fox, which is also showing Legion, we've got a, a 24 Legacy, the uh, the spin-off side plot mm. thingy of 24. I will do uh, the final more side for Pick okay. of the Week. I enjoyed it. And also, we didn't say, but if you want to watch Legion, it is on Thursdays on Fox in the UK at 9 okay. o'clock. We spoke earlier about the anniversary of the podcast. If you want to send a question to Matt, Gary, or myself to do with our various of of us. TV... Or, or none of us. of us. Or none of us. <laughs> if you just want to, you know, send spam. You know, I've not got the email address. It's fine. Um, the the address you need to email is custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, I presume, can they ask a question on the Facebook group? or Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash The Custard TV. If you want to listen to various reviews we've done in the past of a certain show, you can find that uh, via YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash The Custard TV. Or if you just want to know what Gary's leg looks like today, uh, you can <laughs> visit us all on Twitter. Uh, he is at The Gary Show there. So uh, Matt is at Matt's TV Bites, <laughs> and I am at Luke Custard TV. There's also various ways you can interact with the podcast. You can give us a five-star review on iTunes, which we'd be very mm. grateful for. It just helps us become more aware within the community yes. of various podcasts. That In are the there. culture and sports community, wherever yeah. we are, we need to change that. Really, uh, we will be back soon. I don't know how soon. Uh, and I don't know chatting 24 Legacy and Final No Offence the Real Marigold Hotel watch this country on the BBC iPlayer watch the more side on the iPlayer if you haven't had a chance to see it catch up on Unforgotten let us know what you think of if you find you can watch Legion let us know what you think mm. of be very interested whether it was just a anomaly and I liked it and nobody else did I, I think, think, I think it will be I think I'll probably be in the minority here <laughs> and we'll be back soon. Take care. Bye.
Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.